The southern city of Otipoti has long been an attractive destination for sounds of the underground. Peter Porteous is a musician who was drawn to Dunedin's art scene to organise the experimental music festival Lines of Flight. The idea was bred from a friendship he shared with his late collaborator and something of a southern musical legend in experimental circles, the man Peter Stapleton. Well, Maggie Tweedy sat down with Peter Porteous to discuss some of the lesser-known and more mesmerising music coming to Lines of Flights from the south, and she began by asking Peter how Lines of Flight began. Peter Stapleton and Kim Peters, who put on the first couple, and I was living in Auckland, but did come down and perform in it, in a, a band called Empirical. So they they started it as part of the inaugural Dunedin Fringe Festival, and a friend of theirs who was organising that said, oh, do you want to do a, a music event? And so they did a couple of shows, and that's, that's how it started. And what drew you down from Auckland? What was the initial interest for you as an artist? There was a, an underground of musicians around the country doing kind of similar things, which the Dunedin people wanted to bring it bring together in one place. This was kind of the internet wasn't really the force it is today. So we knew about each other, but not that well. So it was a really great time to um, meet meet everybody in person. We know Dunedin has yeah. such a generous history in music. It's of course famous for the Dunedin sound movement of the 80s, but it's evolved so much since that time too. It's an age-old question really, Peter, but what do you think makes Dunedin and its surrounding areas so musical? The city itself has a lot of character to it, uh, which attracts artists and musicians. Uh, it's probably a cheaper place to live than some of the other places like Auckland or Wellington, so that also makes it more attractive. And then once a scene starts, then people are drawn to it because there's music happening there. It kind of builds on itself. And what was that experimental music scene like for you in Auckland, and how did that compare to when you travelled south going to Dunedin that first year of Lines of Flight? The nature of Auckland that it's very spread out and it's often hard to connect with people. You might meet somebody and say, oh, let's get together and do something. And then the next sentence would be, oh, I'm busy for the next two or three weeks. But after that, whereas coming to Dunedin, um, everything is together in one spot, very easy to get around and connect. And so the community is a lot stronger, I think. Yeah, sometimes if you remove those barriers from art, it can really thrive, can't it, in a more compact environment? That's right, yeah, totally. It seems there's been a really intrepid attitude about the sounds that we explore in the south of this country. Uh, you lost your dear friend and talented drummer and founder of this festival, Peter Stapleton, to cancer during the pandemic. Can you talk to me about the legacy that he has left in the creative community there and how you plan to honour him in this year's Lines of Flight Festival? Yeah, I mean, Peter's been an amazingly inspirational musician in the New Zealand Aotearoa underground since the late 70s, really. First in Christchurch, playing in many bands, The Terminals, Scorched Earth Policy, Pin Group, uh, a lot more. And then when he moved down to Dunedin, um, getting into 
starting to more ex experimental, improvised groups. Yeah, very sad when he died, obviously. Um, we weren't sure if the festival would continue, but um, everybody said, yes, it has to continue and we'll help. So it's a big community effort getting this one underway. So in terms of honouring him, I know a lot of people are coming because of that. Some of the musicians are wanting, have been wanting to play to honour his legacy. The range at the Lines of Flight Festival is so interesting. What genres did you explore back in the day and what are some of the new areas of sound that you're all venturing into in this year's programme? When Lines of Flight started off in 2000, there were certainly no vocals. There was no regular drum beats. Uh, it was pretty much all improvised, a lot of drone music. Um, in subsequent years, I remember in the sort of mid to late 2000s, laptops came along. So there's quite a few musicians making sound via um, laptop digital format. And then in more recent years, there's just been a general explosion of experimentation in, in all genres. Um, this year, one thing I'm looking forward to is seeing um, Abigail Arahad Jensen play. Um, she uses tanga puoro, um, traditional Maori instruments, but in a very improvised, exciting way. Yeah, um, Hoha is another band um, who are both um, Matahu musicians, but kind of using post-punk um, as their, um, their genre. How did you hear of Hermione Johnson? Tell me about her background and the sound she explores through piano. I first met her when she came down and played in Dunedin well, maybe 15 years ago. She's a classically trained pianist, but she um, plays prepared piano. And what that means is that before she performs, she will um, lift up the body of the piano, go into it and put various objects inside it, uh, whether there's chopsticks between strings or screws or nuts and bolts or blue tack or tape and into various octave ranges so that when she does play it um, some of the notes will sound quite different to a normal piano and then she will um, improvise in a very virtuosic amazing way which is one of my favorite musicians seems so niche and so fascinating you know the way that these people are making sounds and I wonder where she fits into the lines of flight story and how you discover musicians like this who are really just going outside of the box. The common common thread would be experimentation in whatever genre or instrument you use. Um, there's a, a large community throughout New Zealand I mean there's Festivals, the Audio Foundation in Auckland, they do a fantastic job of uncovering new new artists, as do the Pyramid Club in Wellington. So 
yeah, it's just um, often you're finding out about these musicians from from friends. It's all taking place in the quaint little town of Port Chalmers, which has been home to many of the country's musicians. Can you tell me a little bit more about that spot and what appeals to hosting the festival there? Well, I, I live in Port Chalmers, so that's one, uh, one perhaps reason why it's there. But no, there's, there's a lot of musicians live out there. Um, the Thursday night, actually, the first day of the festival is actually in town at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, but the next three shows are out at Port Chalmers. Yes, you're right, it's, it's got a great historical tradition of music there and some good venues as well. I mean, Chick's Hotel, well, it's closed down now, but it was going very strongly for sort of 10, 15 years. We had a few lines of flight festivals there. It's closed down now, but it's yeah. also the home of another fantastic musician in Dunedin, isn't it? It's a studio space. Yes, yeah, Tom Bell, he he runs it as a studio. Yep, so he's doing a great job there. I'm speaking to Peter Porteous, the festival organiser for Lines of Flight in Dunedin, here on Culture 101. We're about to hear some music that's been categorised as free noise. Can you tell me a little bit more about that genre? It embraces noise and comes with it in an improvised fashion, um, taking some of the the building blocks of rock music perhaps, but totally deconstructing them and just celebrating the, the, the sound and the noise rather than perhaps melody or structure. What influence have Bruce Russell, Michael Morley and Robbie Yeats of the Dead Sea had in alternative music locally and more abroad? Uh, they've had a huge influence all around the world, really. Well, I mean, the Dead Sea started in the late, late 1980s. Bruce, in tandem with that, I think he was working at, with Flying Nun for a while. Then when Flying Nun uh, was partly sold to Australian was it Mushroom Records, um, Bruce started Expressway Records and took what some of us would call the most interesting Flying Nun acts and started putting them out on that. And his had various record labels since then as uh, a very strong promoter of, I guess, experimental music in its various forms. And Michael, Bruce and Robbie, they've uh, toured a lot. I mean, the, the Dead Sea, they've just come back from a, a European tour about three, three months ago. Uh, but yeah, they're very inspiring um, to, uh, to us all, really. And they've, of course, played a few times at Lines of Flight over the years, and they'll be joining you this year as well. Yeah, and they're one of the ones who really wanted to play to honour Peter's legacy. Is it also about the approach to making music as well? Is that what makes it experimental, that kind of unconventional way of making music? Yeah, it's about yeah freedom and saying, you know, anybody can, um, can make sound. You don't need to be a classically trained person or, you know, technically competent in, in certain um, definitions of that term. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, the Dead Sea, they've certainly inspired a lot of people, given people permission, I guess, to make sound. Christchurch guitarist Roy Montgomery is no stranger to the South, and he's also returning to play this year. Tell me about your connection with Roy. He's another very inspiring musician. He's, I mean, he played with Peter Stapleton and the Pin Group, who 
put out the, the first Flying Nun single, Them and the Clean, uh, so they came out at the same time. Uh, Roy has played in, played in another great band, Dardamar, in the early 90s, which also had Kim Peters, who Kim and Peter Stapleton were the founders of Lines of Flight. And then in more recent years, Roy has been doing a lot of wonderful solo records. just plugs away like I really really enjoy listening to Roy's music and it just kind of evolves in the headphones uh, the more that you listen to it I feel yeah very trance like mm. you know, it could go on for hours and you'd be quite happy I think <laughs> I also understand that it's not just a festival that people from around New Zealand come to you've actually attracted quite a lot of people globally uh, where are your ticket sales coming from we've got some people coming from America Quite a few from Australia, some from Belgium, I think, and even some some from Brazil, um, audience members coming over to see it. And this has kind of happened more, each, each time the festival is on, a few more international audience members will come, I guess, as the internet makes this more visible. But it's always um, quite exciting to meet these people and find out, you know, why they why they come. I should mention, Peter, you're not only, you know, an organiser of this wonderful festival, but a performer, a guitarist and a mixing extraordinaire. Shall we finish with a project you have worked on with a dream is like a magic cloak? And you've chosen a song called 100 Veils. I understand this was released under the new Dunedin Music Compilation. Tell me about your role in this project. How did it all emerge? That compilation was done by... A guy Chris Wilson in town who just contacted a whole lot of different musicians and asked if they wanted to contribute to it. That band which I play in um, is myself playing guitar and then two violinists, uh, Motoko Kikawa and Ro Rushton Green, who both improvised violinists. Yeah, pretty wonderful stuff. I feel very, very lucky to play with them. And that's Peter Porteous selecting some beautiful sounds from the underground south. Uh, you're listening there to the band A Dream Is Like A Magic Cloak. What a great name that is. Peter runs Lines of Flight Festival in Dunedin, uh, which sounds like it's gathering quite an international following, and it kicks off on Thursday, October the 26th at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. Then they have shows on Friday and Saturday at their Port Chalmers Town Hall. A big shout-out to our listeners in that great wee town. 